0: very good great to be with you just before i talk or intro how about just lifting your hands and just open your heart we uh, never take for granted the holy spirit we know he's here the moment we walked in but somehow i always believe it's really important we say holy spirit just come now and uh, just open my spirit open my heart and we do we just say thank you holy spirit you're here but we give you room to move we give you room to move and every individual every couple every family but we also give you room to move in this church. And we do believe, we declare today, that it's a, a new day. We're building on a on a platform that already exists, but we're stating right now that from that platform, we're coming into something new. It's a new season, and we prophetically declare it. We say, Holy Spirit, come among us, and just be present. Be present through the words that I speak, but be present in every heart right now to bring adjustment, change, and to edify and to build. In Jesus' name, amen. How about turning around, giving five people a high five, and then take a seat? For those who know, my wife Helen sends her greeting. And uh, she would love to be present, but naturally, she couldn't. But she always loves to see what God's doing. I think one of her fond memories is catching a, pl- a train with with um, Sarah running down. She was on uh, Sarah was on these. And, <laughs> but uh, fond memories and, and just uh, just wonderful relationships here. I want to honour the Roberts family uh, today because you know this church exists because people took a step of faith, and we honour you. We just want to come on, give them a big hand. Just the, the work they've done, the foundation they've done. And, uh, you know, talking with uh, Jackie as they came in, Peter and Jackie, as many of you know, spent time here. And uh, that was an eventful time. It had some real highlights in it, but it didn't end too well. And so when they look at Equipus Essex now, today's a day of redemption. Amen. It's, it's bringing back again what, you know, God was doing in those days. So it's a pretty special day when you look at it in lots of ways. And we just love the journey with Barry and Sarah. Uh, we believe that this is a, a significant time where God just wants to open up a new door and perhaps a new way. And uh, the moment you you break out of just being in a, an environment where you just think about yourself and you go into another environment, which is really about London, it's about, it's about the UK, but it's global too. Some, something shifts in your spirit, and you actually, you, you, in a way, you enlarge the 10 pegs, as it says in Isaiah 54. You just stretch your thinking a little bit. And just, it's amazing what God does when we just stretch our thinking. We give room for God to do something new. And I believe that's what's happening in this room. And we might know it immediately, but you watch. Over the next 12 months, something will shift. And uh, it'll be significant, it'll be notable And I I just love that about what God does We're going to pray for you at the end, I thought, to pray at the beginning But then I thought, no, no, let's share and then let God move And we want to pray for Barry and Sarah, we want to lay hands We want to, in in, in the right way, I I like the word sanctify Today, for what God wants to do We we, We want everyone to feel set apart, amen And so that we can actually enter in and possess what God wants to do uh, you know, I look at what God's doing with Equippers around the world, and you saw Torah there in Mines, and, you know, they, they became an Equippers church, which was a phenomenal journey. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Peter will be in Flensburg, and that's an amazing church, and they, they're becoming an Equippers church, and uh, all these churches have been on a journey on... Uh, Wednesday night, I was in Budapest. Different scenario, but they're starting an Equippers Church in, uh, in, in Budapest. And just wonderful people Mura, and Marta. Some of you heard Marta at the Ladies Conference. Just wonderful to see what God's doing. Yeah. Uh, I was in Ghana, and there's an Equippers Church beginning in Ghana. I think currently they have about 25 people already connecting into that church. And, uh, you know, when you look around the world, just uh, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, anyone want a holiday? No. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you, many of you know the journey in Rome, and then we see what's happened in Manila. And Manila's a church, I think, that's been existing probably about six years, might quietly have that wrong, but six or seven years... And, you know, reaching a thousand people most Sundays now and a high percentage of those are new baptized Christians. And so just phenomenal when you look and you you, you see what God's done. And it does my heart a lot of good because in a way you, you you move into something never realizing what the door is going to be that God opens up and you start to walk into it. I want to give just a brief, just a history of equippers because a lot of people don't know. Um, and really it began, I can't quite remember the exact year, but it was before 1995, so some of you weren't born then, but um, I was in a place in in New Zealand called uh, Wellington, it was a, a bay, Days Bay, and Helen had gone for a walk, my wife had gone for a walk, and I was just sitting in the car, it wasn't a nice day, normally I'd be the one to go for a walk, and she wasn't, but I was sitting in the car, and I asked a question, I said, God, you know, if you were to give me a line which would best describe what you've called me to do, what would that be? And clear as anything, it was like the voice of God came into the car and just simply said, I've called you to be an equipper. And I just knew from that time on, something would defy my life, but I never knew its bigness, but something did defy my life. Out of it, we began, because I've always had a passion for leadership, bringing leaders together under a group which we called Equippers Network. And these leaders would come together regularly for fellowship, but then out of it, you know, we would we would encourage one another, inspire one another, and so I only ever saw equippers in that light. The church we ran in Auckland had a very bland name; it was called Auckland City Church. You actually had to watch how you said "Welcome to Auckland." city church, because it could come out quietly wrong, <laughs> if you can just let your imagination go there, <laughs> um, and occasionally it did, <laughs> um, some of you haven't got it, but anyhow, you'll get it later on, <laughs> uh, and so, so so, then Helen and I was really felt a call to come to London, and f- coming from Auckland right over to London. Uh, to be involved in establishing a church. And we never knew the full ramifications of it. In many ways, it was just a a big statement of obedience. And arriving in London, we didn't know what to call a church. And Helen just said to me one day, why don't we just call it Equippers? So actually, the first Equippers church is Richmond. That's the first Equippers church. So it actually started in the UK simply out of just well, what do we do? What are we going to call this church? Was was it prophetic? Well, perhaps it is, but it was simply a conversation that Helen and I had. And then from there, the Auckland church decided to change its name. A couple of other churches decided to change their name. And I stood back and I thought, oh, perhaps this is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps we could actually start a a, a, a whole lot of churches called Equipage Church. And in a way, it it started slow, uh, but God has been very much in it. And just bringing together now people who are aligned. So the name is is not just a it's not a it's not a logo it's not a slogan but it has meaning behind it, and it's really important for people to catch the spirit of it. Some people think it's an expression of worship. It's partly an expression of worship, but that's not the underlining thing. One of the the thoughts is we want to reach an emerging generation, so therefore we will have music that is able to do that but that is not the main motivation. The main motivation is that we are committed to equipping people through life, through faith in life in Jesus Christ. We, we want to mobilise people. We want to see people connect with God. It's not about creating a platform for Peter, Barry, and myself, it's about us creating a platform for you. Yeah. Amen, you're, 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 you're in our territory. We're here to serve, to bring the best out of your life. And that's really what church for me is about. It's not about creating a platform for some superstar, but it's about coming under people and saying, how can we help you to be what God's called you to be? And so today, I just simply want to take, and I do this at most gatherings when we, we go through this, uh, the, this thing of launching Equipage Church. It's just to go through uh, uh, five scriptures where it just really is one Greek word, but it tw- has different expressions in the Bible. But I think it actually gives us a, a pure understanding of, of who we are a wee bit more. Last night we talked about the values, but today I want to talk primarily into the spirit of who we are. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The spirit of who we are. Yeah. And if you turn it's a well-known passage of scripture It'll come up on the screens here Ephesians chapter 4. And it just talks here, So these are well-known scriptures, but it just talks about how God gave gifts to the church, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. And really when you look at that just in itself, there's no one gift there. You know, a church can't come to its perfect place through one gift. And that's why I love it for Barry and Sarah that now they're part of a, a group of churches where there's a source of giftings that can come in. And the more you're exposed to that, the greater the chances that you're going to grow up. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you're going to grow up. You're going to grow up into what God's called you to Because it doesn't happen through one person. It actually happens when we realize that God's given several gifts. And it goes on, it says, for the equipping of the saints. Uh, then it goes on for the work of the ministry. So in many ways, if you actually analyze the scripture... Uh, And I'm just using names now so you get the drift. Barry is not the minister. Nor is Peter. But if you actually analyze the scripture, everyone in this room is ministers. (laughs) We're here to equip you to do the job. Amen? Amen. So today, I'm commissioning you. I'm ordaining you as ministers (laughs) because God's called you now to actually become and to release what God's placed in your life so that the kingdom of God can be extended, but also it's creating a platform as it goes on in this passage of Scripture uh, where you actually come to the maturity of Christ, everything that God's called you to be. So in, in, in a sense, it's a process of growing up. It's a process of actually maturing. It's not staying where you are, but developing. Yeah. And the word "equipus" comes from a Greek word. I think I say it right. Peter might say it better than I do, but I think it's "katatismos" would be about right. Is it? That's one way. <laughs> Anyhow, near enough. It's not my way because it's easy to say. And but it's one Greek word, and it finds expression in Scripture in different settings. In this setting, it's talking about. God equipping, God training. In some English translations, it uses the word perfecting. God wants to perfect. He wants to bring the best out of you. And so when we think of the Equippers family around the world, it's not just simply having another service on a Sunday. It's actually creating an environment where God can equip you for everything that God's called you to do. And I have uh, three sons. I've got a daughter. Uh, but I'll just identify my three sons, they are similar age. And, uh, but, but I look at them, only one of them is a pastor. The other two one's an architect, the other is a businessman. But my role as a dad was not to make them all pastors. My role as a dad was to equip and create an environment for where they would discover what God's put in their life. Amen. And, and, and one excels in his role as an architect. Sam excels. He was on the um, screen there before. He excels in his role as a pastor and a leader in the church. And the other excels as a businessman. I like the businessman because he can do a deal and make 70 grand just like that. He's n- not learned to tithe to his father yet. But anyway. <laughs> but, but, he, but, but he's, just, he's just got the knack of making money. But they three of them were in church. This morning yeah. in New Zealand, they all love God. So, equipping is not to make you a pastor or a leader in the church. It's actually to help you discover what God has put you on this earth for. Yeah. It's actually to help you to discover where you are positioned and what God's called you to be. Amen? And when you discover that, something comes alive in your spirit. I love it when people get something, it's almost like the light goes on amen yeah. and I think wow that's what I've been called for when they come to church it's about God helping to bring that out even in a more dynamic powerful way yeah. so you sit here and every Sunday God is helping to enlarge what he's placed in your life things become more more clear uh, the opportunities increase because straight away you start to think oh well I'm not just here to be a, re- a religious a religious person sitting on a seat just doing what I think I should do but I'm actually coming to church because God really wants me to discover what he's placed in my life, amen? And uh, Mark Collard, he, he just shared something really precious to me uh, a week ago. I was having dinner with him and I've got a little, a little girl, her name is Ruby. And I had the de- uh, uh, opportunity of dedicating Ruby. And when I dedicate a little child, I, I, I love just to get a prophetic word, you know, related to that person. And, uh, and I can remember pr- many prophetic words, but this one they reminded me of, and they said, you know, when you prophesied over her and in her dedication, you said she'll wear like a diamond. And she will have many, many different facets to her personality. And they said, you know, we, we just remember that because every so often the diamond shows us a new facet. And she pops out with something new and we think, we didn't see that. And it's like something comes alive in this little girl's life that they hadn't seen before. It's just completely unpredictable. But it's about the diamond. It's about the facet. And in many ways, that's helped them to understand their daughter. That's church. Amen. Church is about helping you to understand yourself. It's about helping you to understand the gifts God's placed in your life. It's helping you to understand the opportunity that God's. And sometimes you go through issues in life where you've got to grapple with it. But that's what it's about. So this word equip is, we're here to equip you. Amen. How many like that? Yeah. Amen. This church exists to equip you. You'll never be comfortable in your seat. And while you got Peter or me around, we perhaps might disturb you a little. <laughs> He's, it's his turn, um, and, and probably it's not a bad thing, you know, we need that disturbing, we need that sort of, in a way, shaking, uh, just getting out of our current reality, seeing that there's greater opportunities before us. The next place it's used, which I want to bring um, um, bring you to, is found in, in the Gospel of Matthew, a different setting, same word, but different setting. And so in here at uh, verse 20, it says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And in the boat was Zebedee, their father, and they were mending their nets, and he called them. So the word mending is the same word as was used for equipping or perfecting is here used for mending. Now you say, well, what's mending nets got to do with you and I in church? Well, actually, when you go through life, there's many, can I use the word sharks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that break the fabric of your soul. Yeah. You know, they do damage in your life. You're out there working. You've got good intentions. You you feel as though that you, you, you're really wanting to achieve, but something just comes along and Straight away you feel, oh, man, that, that did something to me. I, I, I really feel hurt by that. I feel offended. I feel something's just come along and ripped out something in my soul. Yeah. And, you know, if we're all honest. We're all part of that. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Come on, how many are part of it? Yeah. If you haven't got your hand up, you're a liar. <laughs> because, because that's life. Yeah. That's the life of a Christian. Sometimes when we are uh, doing something with the the greatest intent, you can actually get, become very vulnerable. And what I love about church and I love about this expression is that church should be a place where we actually feel those broken threads come together and they just get healed. God joins uh, the loose parts of our soul. Sometimes it can happen because of a child, you know, who's uh, uh, not functioning or things aren't going the way it should, and you just feel, as a parent, so you know you're disillusioned. You just need, need, just need the the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to come in and just heal those loose fabrics that happen. Uh, my daughter went through a divorce, and it was painful. And in many ways, I felt like a shark just broke yeah. the real need of my soul. Uh, I felt pain. I felt her pain. I felt the children's pain. It was like it was a, a moment when you, you, you pick up something. But I couldn't live there. God didn't want me to die with no. a big hole in my soul. <laughs> He wanted me to find a place where those things could be joined together again and I become whole, I become healthy. Yeah. And I just felt prophetically for you guys, if you to understand, is that that God really wants this soul of this church to become like a well-watered garden. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And when it's well-watered, it will flourish. It will grow. So the church is not just a service of where we come together, it really, the soul of the church is made up of you and I. And when we let God heal the fabric and the brokenness of our humanity, that's when the church actually becomes whole. Yeah. It's not just about standing in worship, it's more than that. Yeah. It's about you dealing with areas. Yeah. And uh, I might have told the story, but you know, I'm passionate as you can probably see, and And my wife one day just said to me, she just said, Bruce, I don't like your anger. And then another day she came along and she said to me, Bruce, I can't take any more of your anger. And I was a pastor. I was leading a movement. But that's your humanity. And I knew at that point that I had to. And I woke up the next morning, I was having my devotion and in the past, I'd sort of skimmed over, I don't like your anger. You know, you sort of push it aside. It's like, that's who I am. you are going to accept me for who I am. But then I just remembered it came to my mind as I was having my morning devotion. That's why morning devotions are pretty powerful. And I was having my devotion, and I heard Helen say, she, "She." this was not literal. I could remember the conversation, Bruce, I can't take any more of your anger. Now, I didn't know what that would mean. If it was taken, <laughs> you know, she was on the edge. And then I heard these words, because I, 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 I want to ho- obey the Holy Spirit. And the, so, Bruce, I can't take any more of your anger. And then I heard these words, neither can I. <laughs> and that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And so I was in trouble that day. (laughs) Not only did I have Helen on my case, but I had God. (laughs) And that's pretty scary when God gets on your case. Amen. But really what God was doing was saying, come on, there's some brokenness here. That I want you to heal. I want you to mend. And so I went on a journey. You don't deal bad habits overnight. But you can deal with bad habits. You let God get into the heart and deal with the issues. Amen. The third part is found in Galatians chapter 6. And uh, again, it's a different setting. But I like the setting because it really is about church life. It's about what happens in the nature of church. And uh, Paul's writing. And he talks about what sometimes uh, as leaders we've got to address. We've got to uh, issues we've got to address. This is in chapter uh, 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So the word again, translated equip or perfect, in the Gospel of Matthew is mend. Here it's talking about restore. Same word, but now different context, different setting. And the nature of churches, we're never gonna get it completely right. Uh, my church is in, Auckland, uh, is in Auckland, and I look out over the church because I know it really well. And I just say, you know, there's a lot of redeemed people in that church. <laughs> Has anyone in this room ever done anything dumb? <laughs> Come on, for your hand up, have you ever done anything dumb? <laughs> you know, the dumb leads to shame, it leads to regret. But really, sadly, in many places, churches are judged in those environments, but need to be restored. Now, restoration is not just forgiving. Restoration is taking a person on a journey where they deal with the issues that actually cause them to transgress or to commit something wrong. And that in itself is a process that we need to help people to go through. And I look at it and I remember As a pastor sitting, I was pastoring the Auckland Church, and and we were having a breakfast in our home for all the leaders, and I got a phone call, and this phone call taught me something. really taught me something. I'll tell you what it taught me. The phone call says, Oh, Bruce, I just want you to know that a senior minister in town has been found out that he's been in adultery. And he was not just any senior minister he actually was the statesman in our country. So he was a spiritual father that everybody looked to. And now they're saying he's an adulterer. But the sad thing was that as they uncovered this story, they found out that he'd been living in adultery and in and out of relationships for 10 years. But here he had a a phenomenal ministry. And you ask the question, well, how could he stand up and be an anointed servant of God and preach? And people still come to Christ, but it was like he was bipolar. (laughs) One day I'm a God man, and the next day I'm a naughty man. Can I say it? One day I'm a God man, the next day I'm a naughty man. And I learned out of it that in life there are two anointings. There's the anointing that comes upon you, which I'm in now. I'm functioning. I I, I can operate in this anointing. And really, in this anointing, you don't need to really know me completely. (laughs) But God will move because I'm touching face. But it has nothing to do with repentance. Whereas the other anointing is an inner anointing. And that inner anointing is where God changes your humanity. Amen? He deals with issues in your life. And we need to listen to both anointings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the tra- trap for him was he would go to bed with a lady, stand up the next day, and God's, he, th- he thought it was all right because God used them. See, God, God can still use you when you're stupid. <laughs> and that's the stories of people all around the world. And in Equippers Church, we want to make sure that people are not just being used they're also being restored. And we understand the word, it restores, it helps us to bring people back. It doesn't mean that they're perfect, but there's a restoration process taking place so that they can stand and carry their anointing because they're carrying their life. Amen? And I believe that God wants to create that environment. I pray in Equippers Church we will deal with stupidity, and I'm using the word because it can happen to us all, but we will deal with gentleness understanding that that could be you or me, but we'll do it so people are restored, not just given an opportunity to function in their gift, amen, so that's uh, the third place, so the first word is to equip, the second word is to mend, amen, and I love the mending part, the third word is to restore, when you trip over, come on, you need someone who's going to pick you up and love you and restore you. The fourth one, I love the fourth one. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last part. And I love it because I just hear the words of one of my little grandsons and it really reminds me of this. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. But it just says in verse, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be good of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. I love it. Become complete. So one, one, one is about equipping about God bringing the best out of you. The other is about mending, you know, and we all come with that sort of damage, brokenness in our soul. Sometimes it can happen through many different things in life. Sometimes we just do a dumb thing and we just need a good man or a good woman He says, come on, stand up, let me help you. Yeah. But other times we need to have a sense of vision that God has called you to be complete. He's not called you to walk through life lame. He's called you to walk through life with a vision to become complete. And so my little grandson, he's he was 10 at the time and they'd been doing a series in the children's ministry about God's potential. And he just comes up to my wife, Helen. He calls her Mammy and he says, Mammy, he says, do you know God's put a powerful potential in my life? This is a 10-year-old, you know. Helen sort of said, but then he went on and this... Sort of amazed me because I didn't, you wouldn't expect this from a 10 year old. He said, But I'm yet to discover it. (laughs) He knew that God had put something in him, but he knew that he was just a young kid and he was on a journey to discover what God had placed in him. And in a way, when it says become complete, it's like God giving you a vision of what you could become. And God wants us complete. I did a series on the fear of the Lord, which is a good sermon, actually. You might like to hear it sometime. <laughs> I will really put the fear of God in your hand. No. <laughs> but but one, of the, one of the things I loved about the fear of God, every time it talks about the fear of God, the outcomes are positive. It's just one is where there's, where there's the fear of the Lord, there's a strong confidence. So you're never, you're never sheepish. When you fear God, you stand upright. Yeah. You know who you're representing. But another one it says, I think it was Proverbs 19, round about there, but it says, where the fear of the Lord is, the people will be satisfied. Yeah. There's satisfaction. And I'm, I just turned 70, and when I preached this, I, I stood before the people and I said, you know, I haven't always lived like this. But boy, if I was to really look at my life right now, I said, I feel incredibly satisfied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that like God's really worth it. <laughs> I'm saying to young people, come on, come on, go, th- go through the pain because in the end, you come to a place where you do feel, and I'm not perfect, yeah. but I feel more complete than I ever have. Yeah, Amen? Yeah. I feel as though some things, I, I, I don't think your body tells you that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But but in your soul and in your spirit, there's a sense that you're getting whole. You're becoming complete. You don't have to strive. You don't have to compete. You don't have to try and be someone you're not. You can celebrate other successes. You love the success of your children. You love seeing your grandchildren being baptised and following in the faith that you so value. And you stand there and you just think, wow, I do feel satisfied. And I, I just genuinely stood before the people and said, do you know, I love being a Christian. The journey to follow Jesus for me is so rewarding and so worth it. I think I have a great marriage because I follow Jesus. I think I'm a better dad I think that I'm a better granddad. I don't know what I'd be like if I didn't follow Jesus. I think I could be a grumpy old fat. <laughs> I was going to say grumpy old fart, but I didn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> but do but, but you imagine if you didn't follow Jesus where you'd be now? Amen? Come on, I want you to think. And, and that's not be, this is not religious talk. This is just simply saying, no, no, when you when you have a goal to let God change you, you're never satisfied with anything that's not complete, wow. and you let God really get into the yeah. into the sometimes the pain areas of your life, and you've got to listen to the conversation and the, the things that people speak. See, this is equippers. This is equippers. Music is so we can reach a whole lot more young people and create anointed worship. That's that, that's not that's not the major. The major is you. Amen? The major is you. The major is creating an environment where God can get into yours and my world and He can minister. I love the final one. I wonder if the keyboard player would come that I'm going to mention is found in Hebrews chapter 3, 11, verse 3. And uh, I I like this because it's sort of, in a way, a neat way to finish because, you know, quibbers. Is about equipping. It's about bringing the best out, mending the net. Is about you know, we go through some issues in life. The third one is restoring, picking people up who've fallen over, and helping them to stand up again. And I I know some lovely, wonderful Christians who've been picked up, not judged, but picked up. Fourthly, is just getting a vision for your life. Wow, well, I'm not happy with where I am. God's got more for me. Amen. How many believe God's got more for you? God's got more for us. Just with a a real understanding of what that could look like. But then it comes to the point here where it helps us to comprehend or to embrace how God does work. And I like it because it just helps you and I to see the power of our words. And here in verse three, it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed or some translations created by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And when I thought of that and read it, the word there, same word equip as the word framed, created. When you you look at that, this is now the essence of, of how God really does work in yours and my life. You know, I, you often think in, in God, I, my mind cannot comprehend the massiveness of God. And you know, in my mind, and I'm just playing with my mind, I thought, well, God's so clever that he could have with his hand created the world and think, yeah, with my hand I'll put a sun over here. This is God, you know. And perhaps we'll have a moon, and with my hand I'll make some stars. Because, you know, for me, God is just way beyond what I could get my little brain around. <laughs> but God didn't do it like that. Yeah, you got to have a God voice. The <laughs> earth was without form or void. It says the Holy Spirit, you, you, come on, listen to me. Uh, uh, this, is, this is his own, right? The Holy Spirit was just there, He was hovering. He was present. I sometimes wonder whether it's a wee bit like church, you know. We come in, the Holy Spirit comes in, he hovers. Everyone leaves and the Holy Spirit says, oh man, that was a bad day. They, did, <laughs> they didn't make me work. They didn't make me do a thing. <laughs> Think about it. Like the Holy Spirit had been Hovering. But he could only work, the Holy Spirit could only work the moment God spoke. God said, and the moment God said, the Holy Spirit said, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit somehow had, room to spring into action see because God speaks and as he speaks he creates that's why the book of Timothy talks about fighting for those things that have been prophetically spoken over for you because they're actually more real than your current reality Speaking for a prophetic, this morning in my prayer time, I opened up something in my Bible and I, I deliberately did it. And I went and I, I, I prayed it. I prayed into it. I'm not telling you what it is. <laughs> but I prayed into it. Because it's something that's been prophetically spoken. But I can't see it yet. But it doesn't mean it's not real. Because that's how God works. This, this church will need bigger buildings. It'll need more workers. It'll need people who really understand the power of his anointing to create and to form. My wife, I, I just love living with her because she's got such a face. Sometimes she's Driving along the road, and she says, I prophesy to you. <laughs> and she's prophesying to buildings. She's prophesying to things. And if we're ever in financial problems, she says, In Jesus' name, I prophesy. I declare the release of money. Man, money comes when she does it. I don't sit there and say, Oh, stop being weird. I, I just say, Bring it on, man, bring it on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Why? Because things come that you just don't expect. <laughs> Money comes into your account. People come. Connections come. Why? Because in a we can frame our future, not just by the skill of a whole lot of brilliant people. See, the skill of brilliant people will not extend the kingdom of God. God might use your training But what extends the kingdom of God is not the brilliance of our humanity. I should say that again. (laughs) What will extend the kingdom of God is not the brilliance of your humanity, but the knowledge of how God works. And God frames through what we speak. He creates out of the words of our mouths. That's why you sometimes hit a wall and the only thing you can do is, is face the wall and say, I prophesy to you in Jesus' name. You have no right to rob me of my divine inheritance. I declare right now in Jesus' name. Wall, go. Sometimes I, I love in my praying, I, I stand and I say, this is the land of the righteous. No scepter of wickedness can rest here. Amen. I think we need to do that in Britain a little bit more. <laughs> Amen. Why? We're speaking. We're creating. We're beginning to speak into the heavens. We're beginning to speak into the earth. The power of God to form, to frame, to, to equip. So today I, I pray you've heard my spirit. Because equipers is not a, an, a brand not a logo. I could talk about the logo. It's got a prophetic message to it, but I'm not going to. It's not just an expression of music, even though the expression is important, because we love worship. But a Quipper's Church exists. Are you ready? You ready? For you. We exist for you. You don't exist for us.